Tony Whitehead, I'm here with Sound Art Radio uh, this weekend doing Sound Camp um, and I also work for the RSPB. So what is a, what's a Sound Camp? Um, so Sound Camp um, is a weekend where people get together to spend the weekend listening to the natural environment and particularly to listen to the birds because it always coincides with International Dawn Chorus Day. So we spend a weekend tuning in to the natural world and also here at Sound Camp in Dartington we, with Sound Art Radio we spend a lot of time actually thinking about how we listen to the world um, in our bodies, our relationship to sound. Why in the 21st century does it matter that people get out and listen to the dawn chorus do you think what what mm. why do we need that i think there's a, there's an awful lot of talk recently about um connection to nature um and the opposite of that which is lack of connection to nature um and we all know that the natural environment is in trouble there's problems out there and at the same time we know that people many people want to do something about that but we also know there is an increasing disconnect between people and the natural world we know that maybe the people don't necessarily know what particular birds are nowadays identification of birds all this sort of thing is not as perhaps as common a skill as it used to be um, and so on the one hand we have people who are aware of problems in the natural world but don't necessarily have a deep connection to the natural world um, and for me um, one of the ways interconnection and a very real and present way of connecting with the natural world is through sound um, and certainly if you're a, if you're into birds um, you know we always talk about bird watching well actually bird watching is probably about 80% listening um, and so to get a connection to the natural world through sound is what I'm particularly interested in. Um, and beyond the whole idea of connections and that it's good for you and all, all that sort of thing is just the, the simple pleasure in listening um, as well, the simple pleasure of engaging with the natural world through listening, <laughs> such as to the wood pigeon above us just now. <laughs> and what, what happens, do you think, to our to our imagination when we live in a world where we don't pay any attention to, the, to, to, to what's mm. going on, when we live in a world where mm. we don't know where any of the birds are, mm. we just we kind of hear it but we don't listen mm. to it. What happens I think to I, It's interesting, isn't it? I think it becomes almost like looking at the screen. It becomes two-dimensional. You lose a dimension. You, use, you lose a depth to it. Um, and that when you move away from that flat screen and all that, that implies, both both physically and imaginatively, and you move out into a three, four dimensional world of real things happening around you, um, you regain a lot of um, a deeper connection um, with your surroundings and through that perhaps a more meaningful, more soulful connection um, with the world um, beyond that flat screen. Mm. And when you, 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 you do a lot of this uh, Dawn Chorus kind mm. of stuff, so, so what kind of impacts have you seen it have on people over the time? How, how have you seen it affect people? It, it's, it's quite remarkable. I always think it's, um, it's the simplest thing in the world. 
All you need to do is get up early, go out, find a nice spot and listen. Um, and it happens every morning from January through until June, this, this phenomenon happens. And yet, when you take people out and you offer people that opportunity, um, the, the richness of the experience that people have is just remarkable. Um, it, it's, um, for, I've had people say that it's been on the edge of life changing just walking out in the morning listening to the English Dawn Chorus. Um, but of course we don't do it. We just don't do it. We don't have that, that connection. Um, so, But it can be, for some people, genuinely a very, very deep experience. And the other thing that you find beyond that is that suddenly the world becomes a little bit more... a little bit fuller, a little bit more diverse. As soon as you start to point out birdsong, suddenly birds start to appear to them they start to you know beforehand before maybe people weren't even hearing birds now they're hearing birds and now they're hearing individual voices they're starting to blackbirds are starting to appear to them woodpeckers are starting to appear wood pigeons and so on and so on and so the world is becoming a much more diverse place uh, a deeper place and a more interesting place um, to be immersed in Um, and all of these come come out of this simple act of simply going outside first thing in the morning and maybe part of that is around I was reading some science stuff recently yeah. about awe and saying mm. you know, that, that actually there's something about when people experience mm. awe that their brains work in particular ways mm. and they, they cult- it's really powerful for cultivating mm. empathy mm. and uh, and maybe mm. that's kind of part of what yeah. you're saying people experience and, and beauty as well there's a, there's a you know beyond I, I do spend a lot of time when we're out with people what what i find is people are full of questions they suddenly become full of questions that this thing has been revealed to them and they're full of questions they want to know what is going on why they're doing it um detail what detail want to know what's happening here and so you're explaining all this stuff and these explanations are based on um science you know it's research we've done it's fascinating research um but you know stepping a few paces back from that the original experience is just the experience of listening to the bird and enjoying the beauty of that song where you know and in the english dawn chorus you're listening to blackbirds um and a, a more beautiful song you couldn't imagine to to encounter is that awesome you know i would probably associate awesome maybe with the sublime and the you know romantic poets in 18th century encountering the alps or something like that but but i think awe comes into the very simple everyday experiences such as listening to blackbird song um, and it starts at that point that simple point of beauty and contact mm. and then everything else really devolves from that in that terms of that relationship um, and i think people are more willing to act and advocate on behalf of wildlife and nature if they have that original experience of awe or the sublime or just that connection, just that connection, they're more willing to actually want to make a change in the world that makes the world a richer place for wildlife and for us. And uh, what, what happens to us if we spend the majority of our time indoors and we have no connection to any of this? What kind of impacts does that have when, when, when we never even really hear the birds singing or certainly don't connect to it? I, I, I personally, I couldn't imagine my world without being out listening to this. It would be hugely impoverished, um, and I think, perhaps to a degree, people's lives are impoverished if 
they don't at least have the opportunity. To, and it doesn't have to be birds. It could be. It could just be going out and marvelling at the trees, marvelling at the, the landscape or whatever. Um, but without that, there is there is an impoverish there's an impoverishment, and it's something that you. You you can't do it second hand. You can't you can't get the, this experience of listening to these birds second hand through a screen or through an MP3 YouTube. player or through YouTube. You get a simulacre of it. You get something that is, is similar, but not in any way the same. Um, and because it's a shallower engagement, the result of that is a shallower wish to act on behalf of it only now once you're outside and and engaging with this stuff is the basis to which a meaningful engagement and then a meaningful advocacy for the natural world Mm. can come apart you have to get out here you can't do it through youtube Mm. i love we were talking yesterday you were saying you you have a kind of a, a a, la- a, a label, really quiet records mm, or something. Very quiet records. Very yeah. quiet records. Mm. You know that, uh, um, <clears throat> and there's, there's mm. this sort of growing world of field recordings and people mm. making music of that, mm. out of that. And so people choosing to listen to music, which is all about quiet, it yeah. seems like a really fascinating kind of scene to me. It, it, it is, um, and I think it's you know <laughs> we we. L- we live an, in an increasingly noisy world. Noisy not just in terms of the sounds out here and um, anthropogenic sounds, um, but also sounds, the busyness of our minds is a sort of a busy, a no, it's noise, isn't it? We're so bombarded with information, and that information is a form of noise, um, that one of the reasons that I think simply going for a walk in a quiet place is good is because you're just stripping away that noise and allowing yourself some space to expand uh, and to um, be able to think thoughts and be able to you know so so quiet spaces are I think incredibly important to people's well-being and ability to be in the world um, effectively to be in the world creatively um, and we don't have enough of that. And so, you know, the idea with Very Quiet Records was really simple. It was just to give, you know, sound artists around the world the simplest such of just send me something that you think represents quiet. Uh, and of course, when you think quiet, uh, you would think, well, it has to be low volume. And a lot of the recordings I've been sent are not low volume, but they're all done in natural, many of them done in natural environments that to the author, to the field recordist, represents, I think, quiet in the way of a... Um, disconnection from the noise of the world and a re-engagement with the real world mm-hmm. and uh, just f- finally if just if you had any last thoughts on the whole thing of you know mm. why doing this kind mm. of thing is is important as uh, mm. uh, for our imagination particularly our kind of collective cultural imagination you, you mm. yeah it's 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 um I suppose it's a spring. It's a it's a found, it's a, it's a, a starting point. Um, you know, it's it's a point where if you're out here, to give yourself some space um, from all that noise and that bombardment of information that we have that just leads to confusion. To strip away that confusion, to get yourself into a place where you can stop and then start to re-engage quietly with the world and allow the creativity to respond to what's around you. And out of that creativity for your imagination to start re-engaging with the world. And I think maybe through this, 
through quiet, through spending time in places like this, beautiful places like this, um, there will be a new, new ideas will emerge. Yeah. I can't see how, how can you come up with new ideas, new ways of being, when your mind is so, so full of noise. You're going to be confused. You're going to be. It's not. You're not going to be able to think straight. Mm. So you, I think you need these spaces, these quiet places, these times, these breaks from the noise, mm. in order for your imagination to really kick in, and for your imagination to come up with new ways of engaging with the world and new ways, maybe, of solving some of the world's problems. Mm. Mm. Actually, just one last thing. I was thinking. Um, uh, I've so somehow I've asked quite a few people, mm. you know. So if mm. if if you had been, uh, if if you were running mm. in this election that's coming up in a few weeks, mm. on a instead of make America great again, <coughs> you were running on a make the UK imaginative again uh, mm. platform. Mm. Your first hundred days might include what do you think? Is there anything that we could be bringing in mm. that we can learn from what's happened here mm. that could maybe inform? policy shifts that would really uh, uh, that would the kind of space <coughs> it's mental that we've created for ourselves here over the yeah. last couple of days so first first hundred days that's really interesting isn't it well, I mean one of the first hundred days things would be to to make th it's education to put to create the space within schools for children to start young people to start re-engaging with the natural world um, to create quiet within schools for them to be re-engaging with creativity and imagination rather than seeing children as places into which you put information mm. um, instead of that reining back from that a little bit and creating space and quiet within schools so they can re-engage with their imagination um, rather than being receptacles for stuff that we think they need to know mm. um, so that would be one of the things I would love to see us thinking more about our natural environment in terms of its therapeutic benefits as well you know um, not just thinking of it we know we talk a lot nowadays in nature conservation about ecosystem services we talk about nature constantly as a provider of some sort of economic good um, well we should be thinking about nature as a source of inspiration um, and a source of well-being. Mm. And there's a lot of there's a lot of talk being about this at the moment. But I think it's absolutely true that we should be looking to, you know, the health services on its knees. What can nature, you know, help us with? There, you know, people, um, people's sense of health and sense of well-being can be vastly improved by just giving them a bit of space in a natural environment mm. Um, mm. like this. It has these these real benefits. Um, so. So it would be looking at, my first 100 days would be looking at how we put space, quiet and nature back into the curriculum, into schools and thinking more about the offer nature has to our health and well-being and, and it's a vital underpinning of our health and well-being. Thank you Tony. Thank you. Thank you.